health, fitness, nutrition has been my life ever since whenever. And it's been my career. This is what I do. But one thing I massively neglected within this was my own mobility and stretching. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. And I bet you're exposed to investment risk right now. To reduce it, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and download the risk reduction checklist I've made specifically for you, my podcast listeners, based on the lessons I've learned from all of my guests. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe we're going to learn about physical risk today a little bit. So fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guest, Gav Gillibrand. Gav, are you ready to rock? I was born ready. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. Well, let me introduce you to the audience. Gav Gillibrand is a fitness and nutrition expert who specializes in helping busy executives lose 20 to 30 pounds in 12 weeks and become great role models for their kids without giving up carbs and other fun stuff from their lives. Now, I know that's gotten your attention, ladies and gentlemen, because I know we've all been gaining weight over the COVID period. From a TV appearance on Blind Date in 1993 to a distinguished career as a male review artist, also known as a male stripper. Traveling all over the UK and Europe, Gav went on to become one of the UK's most successful fitness coaches, having helped hundreds of clients in the past 12 years to health and weight loss success. He's written articles for Men's Health, Hello, and OK Magazine, and is the author of The GHG Method, a no-bullshit approach to losing body fat, upgrading your mindset, and radically changing your life gab take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life that was it's the first time i've actually heard that bio read out and i have to admit i'm quite impressed i would hire the person that wrote that except i can't it was me so sorry for all the bullshit but no thanks for being on the show um tidbits oh how do i summarize well um where do you want me to start what age yeah how about that well, um, okay, well, I got it. I'll, I'll tell you a very quick story around Blind yeah, yeah. Date and how it changed my whole career. Long story short, I. Not everybody knows what Blind Date is, by the way. So, okay, I'll tell you what, Blind Date, back in the day, in the early 90s, Blind Date, late 80s, early 90s, was hosted by a lady called Scylla Black, which was the number one. I guess the equivalent equivalent to reality TV back in the 90s this is way before, you know, Big Brother and all those type of things that we have now. It was 16, 17 million people used to watch this show on a Saturday night, which for, for the UK was a lot. Bearing in mind, we only had four channels back then. BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, Channel Four. So it was the Saturday night, 8 p.m. viewing. Everyone watched it. And the premise of the show, that three guys behind a screen and they had an English guy, me, an Irish guy. Scottish guy. The Irish guy actually turned out to be a famous comedian called Ed Byrne. You may have heard of him, maybe not. Girl, Sally from Bournemouth, had to ask three questions and then we had to give these supposed blind answers and then she would choose the winner. Long story short, I got chosen to go on the date, but to back up slightly, when I went for the auditions, I was actually working in a local gym aged 18, maybe nearly early, yeah, nearly 19 years old. 
in between my A-levels, which is the exams you need to go to, go to uni. And I'd been told that I needed to get higher grades, which was basically you didn't get the, the points you needed to get into university. So I took a year out, worked in the gym, saw this advert and thought I, I was full of myself. I was into the gym. I always fancied myself as becoming famous. You know, all these car crash TV shows you see now, I would have been one of those guys if they'd existed back in the 90s. I'm sorry to say. Long story short, I thought, how can I ensure that I get on this show, just breeze through these auditions? So I bullshit the girl doing the interviews. I told her that I was a stripper, which was a half lie. If I back up three weeks before the actual audition, I'd been for an audition for a strippergram. And that the equivalent of that is what you guys in America would say, a bachelorette party, you know, where someone would turn up in a, like a policeman's outfit or a fireman mm. or back in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, was the officer and a gentleman, you know, the Richard Gere yes. white officer. So I'd been for the audition, but I hadn't actually had a job. But I thought, hang on, this is something I'm going to do and I know I'm going to be good at. So I lied and said that I'd been doing it for six months, got on the show, and that was the start of... Uh, that was the start of my stripping career. So I fast forward three years, I've come out of university. I did sports science at university. And then literally two weeks before I was about to hand in my dissertation, a friend of mine who in the meantime had started working for this strip troupe, he said, Gab, we've got a 12 week tour lined up. We're starting off in Belgium, we're going to Germany, the Netherlands, everywhere in Europe. It's gonna be like loads of money, loads of girls, loads of fun. I said, but I've got this dissertation to hand in, 10,000 words to start and finish within two weeks. He said, when do you need an answer by? He said, today. I went, fuck it, I'm in. <laughs> True story. True story. And I just jacked the dissertation in, went off on this tour, which unfortunately collapsed after 11 days and we didn't get paid. Anyway, that was the start of my illustrious, you could call it illustrious stripping career, it became... From 96 to 2008, it was a full-time gig for me. Full-time gig. That's and a career. That was a career, yeah, completely different. No one goes up and says, you know what, I want to be a stripper. But the difference was I, I did it because it was fun. I was good at it. It was great money. And I, it wasn't a real job. And fast forward to 2008, which was when I went to London, and thought, you know what, I'm age 35. I'm going to have to use this mm -hmm. rather than this. He's pointing to his maybe, brain for those listening to the podcast. Yeah, I was going to have to use big head rather than little head yes. for a change, yeah? I thought, age 35, I know that I can get into whatever I want. What do I really want to do? I thought, I still love fitness because my whole life would have been health, fitness, and taking care of myself. So that's when I moved to London, 2008, went to the city, and that was, so that what was that, 12, mm. 13 years ago, full-time back into fitness and nutrition. That was... God, that was about 25 years and about three minutes flat. Excellent. And I have a lot of questions about that, but I believe we're going to get into some of that in the story. So why don't we move into that right now? Yeah, now absolutely. it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Fantastic. Well, I thought I'd put a different spin on this. So my worst investment was the fact that I didn't invest in something. So it was almost like the reverse of reverse psychology. And as you know, health, fitness, nutrition has been my life ever since whenever. And it's been my career. This is what I do. But one thing I massively neglected within this was my own mobility and stretching. And 
you know, it was always a running joke. When I was working, doing the stripping, the dancing, we did these shows all over Europe. The guys, when we were backstage and everyone was warming up and doing all these exercises and getting ready for, you know, preparing themselves for this physical show, it was almost a standing joke that I would just literally, you know, rotate my shoulders twice, move my neck to one side and say, right, let's go. <laughs> and I never had an injury. I never had any problems. And this just kind of has gone on. This has been, I guess, really a habit, a bad habit of mine, because I've always thought I'm eating very well. I'm taking care of my health. I'm probably working out at least four to five times a week. I've never missed a week apart from when I've been sick or injured, which has been very few times until I was 40 years old. So I never thought, and I used to see all these guys doing stretching. And then, you know, 2008, I'm in mid thirties, late thirties. And there was all these youngsters in the gym, 21 year olds with foam rollers and stretching and yoga and Pilates. And I used to, it was a, another classic example. When everyone used to say yoga, I would like go schmoga like this. You know, I, I don't need flexibility. I don't need mobility. And I was fine until I got to about 14. As if someone said, you know what? You've been, you've been taking a piss out of the system far too long. It's now we're going to have to pull you back down. <laughs> and I literally, things have started dropping off in the last six or seven years. Not literally, by the way, for the listeners. They haven't literally been dropping off. But I had a, a neck injury, a spinal injury, which caused my left arm to be slightly paralyzed. It was almost like a trapped mm. nerve. Lost five or six kilos, which is about 12, 13 pounds of body weight. Uh, you know, I was out of action for two or three years. Three years later, I had two meniscus surgeries on my knee. Currently in the middle of a, a hip and back injury, I've got what's called a gluteal tendinopathy. It's like a, a tendon tear or strain in my hip. That's been causing me problems. And I look back and I think, I really do think that most of these problems... I mean, maybe some of them are a bit of bad luck, but general wear and tear, but many of those problems, and they're the main ones. There's been a lot of smaller ones in between. Looking back, I think most of them could have been avoided or at least minimized if I'd taken care of the things that, it's not sexy. Like no one wants to do 15 minute stretch at the end of the workout. No one wants to cool down. No one wants to prepare your body for work. And looking back, it's come back to pay, to bite me in the ass, and it's cost me a lot of time and heartache and a lot of money. Mm. So that was my worst investment was not investing in that side of my health. Hope that makes sense. Yep. So let's summarize. What is your main learning from this? Well, it's a classic example of not reading the small print, isn't it, really? And, and if I look at my life, I'm the type of guy that picks up the computer and unless it works, the moment I open it up, something's wrong with it. I don't read the instructions. And I, I smile as I say this to myself. It's a classic example. I was like, it won't matter. Everything matters. Everything matters, doesn't it? When it comes to, if someone's doing it and they say this is probably the best way to get the best result, ignoring that, well, ignore that at your own peril. And I mm. know so many times I was looking at these guys going, I don't need to foam roll. Why are they stretching? Why are they taking care of the things? And because you know what? I when you're in your 20s, you think you're invincible, don't you? Well, yeah. I know I did. Even in my 30s, I think, yeah, nothing's going wrong. But now I'm 47, so 50 in three years, you know, I'm only halfway there with a bit of luck. I realize the six pack is absolutely irrelevant. <laughs> it's, it doesn't mean anything. 20 years ago, I lived and breathed for a six pack. 
now I would just like to get out of bed and have my hips function in a normal level. You know, I would, I would like to just get up and think, you know, I would like to think I'm not feeling 77 rather than feeling 47. So mm. the change on health has dramatically changed my focus. And what's weird is I never thought that would happen. I never thought I would be one of those guys where what was so important for me in my 20s and early 30s, now it's not a case of don't care how I look. It's definitely more about energy and how I feel. Mm. Because without energy and how and, and feeling good about yourself, in terms of health and energy, I mean, and mindset is a different kettle of fish altogether. But if you don't feel good in your life, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, no matter how big your car is or how big your house is or what, what you're doing in business, if you haven't got your health, it's all worthless, isn't it? Yep. Well, let me summarize a few things I've been writing down as you've been talking. And the first thing is I remember going to see a doctor years ago and he was asking me if I exercise. This is, let's say, in my 30s or something. And I basically said, doctor, I have to confess that I never really played sports or really exercised. And, you know, he said, you know, it's not always a bad thing. I get a lot of guys that exercise a lot when they were young and played sports and they're full of injuries. I thought, okay, that's, that's interesting. But the other thing that I thought about is that I started going, I made a commitment to start going to yoga many years ago. And I set a goal to go to this yoga class, a hot yoga class, 70 classes in a row. I think I set 60 and I went 70 or I sent 90 and I went 70. And, you know, it really, really transformed my life, you know, and my, my relationship with my body. But I remember I have some friends of mine and they were down at the pub and they called me one Friday night and they said, what are you doing? You know, come on out. And I said, I'm just about to walk into yoga class. And they said, what are you doing there? Yoga's for women. And I said, that's the point. I'll see you later. Have fun Absolutely. at the pub. <laughs> you're the smart, you're the smart one. Join him for a drink afterwards. Yeah. In Thailand. Absolutely. I mean, I was surrounded and anywhere, you know, it's mainly women that go to yoga. And so I was surrounded yeah. by 20 women and they thought they were going to be down at the pub surrounded by 20 women, but they weren't. And now I go to a yoga place nearby and my mother who lives with me here, my mom who's listening right now, now, hi mom. Um, I always say to mom, I go to yoga because there's 16 naked women there. And what Andrew, I mean is, you know, they're so fit. And you're I'm a smart man. I'm you're in the back of the man. room. Yeah. I used to say a very similar thing, you know, back in the 90s, you know, we used to go to quite a lot of gay clubs and people say, well, if you're not gay, why would you go there? I said, have you seen the women that hang out in gay clubs? And the great thing is, because when you walk in, they might thought he's good looking, but they might think you're gay, which means their defences are totally down. So if you go up to them and chat to them, they're not, because remember most straight women in a straight club are like, he's going to try and chat me up, but the defences are down. So you sidle up there, pretend, not pretend that you're gay, but just don't say that you're not. And then the girl would go, oh, you're not gay. Literally, they would open up. It was, anyway, it's a different pod okay, podcast so from these, another time. These are real actionable tips, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Get yeah. out to the gay bar at a gay club. And number two, get Young out to the Young straight men, if you're listening right now, get out to the gay club. I, I can't give better advice than go to a yoga place. I mean, that's one of the best. That's fantastic. The, the last thing I would say is that, uh, you know, recently I was, you know, obviously with this podcast, I'm always talking about reducing risk. And I was thinking about like basketball and I was watching, you know, different shows about basketball. And I thought to myself, you know, there's 16 people on this team or whatever, you know, however many people there are on a team. 
Are these the only ones that could play this? No, in fact, there's thousands and thousands of people that could be on that basketball court, but they hurt their knee or their shoulder or their back. And just one injury can stop your whole career in sports. And so, you know, this idea that, you know, and then it made me really realize that risk management, you know, how we teach our kids, you know, how to, and, you know, the pandemic is another thing of risk management where people are starting to lose contact with how do our bodies fight against viruses and bacteria and pathogens, you know, how important it is to get our risk management system, you know, working. So I really have come to, to focus a lot of my attention on risk management, as opposed to when I was younger, it was all about hitting home runs, being big success, all that. So absolutely. And I've got a, a very quick story about this. A, a year ago, I was asked by a friend to, um, to go and play some five-a-side football, soccer, as you guys would call it, football, mm. real football. And I turned it down. Football was my love up until 21. But I thought, you know what, as you talk about risk management, I thought, well, I'm 45 years old. I haven't played football for 20 years. The chances of me turning my ankle or tearing my hamstring or ripping my Achilles heel at 90% super high because my the drive to play football is still there. Competitive uh, spirit. Like I would say that, yeah, the competitive spirit's there. The mindset's there. I will say that the, the mindset's there, but the chassis just can't take it. Like the physical... And the amount of injuries that people pick up going back into five-a-side football or any t- because that short, sharp turn. So I said, he called me a pussy. He said, Gav, come on, you'll be fine. I said, mate, I'm not. I can't play because the chances of me getting injured are so high. Oh, yeah, the risk management of that. Yes, you just have to say, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> I'm going to remember that line. Yeah, my, uh, I worked for a company here in my, that they had a football team playing soccer, football. And... Uh, Basically, they asked me to come and play, and I decided to do it against my better judgment. But since I used to play when I was young, and luckily, I kind of pulled myself back when I found yeah. myself pushing myself to the limit in a competitive way. But my boss basically came back from one of those and had completely broken his knee because he was just so competitive and his body wasn't ready for it. So there you go. All right. So now. Let's think about some young people out there listening to this podcast that really need some clear, actionable advice. So based upon what you've learned from the story you've just told and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? You would have to just start taking care of, think about the future. And that's very hard when you're in your 20s, because even now, and I'm not, you know, an elderly yet, but I never thought when... When I talk about being 47, that was always my dad's age. That was, it's so strange, isn't it? You're like, it's in your 20s. You can never visualize you being 50. You just can't. Mm. So to back off, so rather than being in the gym five, six days a week, squatting 100 kilos more, deadlifting your body weight, two and a half times your body weight, think I can do this, but what do I need to take care of? And the reality is for everyone that's listening to this, when you get to your 40s, you cannot do physically what you could do in your 20s. You can't. You've got, your bones aren't as strong. You've got less testosterone. You've got less muscle. The connective tissues are just not there. So prevention rather than cure. The reality, I'm now going to spend the next 20 years trying to re- repair the damage that I did in my 20s and 30s. Now, if I could go back, I mean, there's several things that I would go back and do, but 
talk about money it's a different you know subject altogether but in terms of health and taking care of myself if someone had said right we're going to do yoga or pilates once or twice a week i'd be the first on that program Mm. if someone said you're going to spend 15 minutes three times a week just cooling down and doing some basic stretches and taking care of yourself i would absolutely do that because the things that i've missed out on in the last six or seven years i've missed a hol- i've missed a couple of holidays because of my injuries mm. i've spent thousands and i literally mean thousands in osteo physio massage different surgeries i've had it's cost me a lot of time and heartache so i would go back and i would be the first to take care of myself now the reality is most of those 20 year olds especially the men are going to say yeah whatever it's not going to happen to me but i'm telling you chaps just think before you do this because all my friends now in their 40s they're all things that it's all happening it's all it's exactly the same things happening to them and i think there's very few gentlemen in their late 40s or 50s or 60s that say you know what i'm injury free and the ones that are probably haven't done a huge amount of physical activity in their 20s Mm. and 30s Mm. so ladies and gentlemen stop right now bend over and touch your toes and if you can't then Take a lesson from Gab and start figuring out how to. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? 12 weeks or 12, 12 months? 12 months. 12 months. You can tell me Sorry. 12 weeks. I've, um, I've got, I've, when I thought about this, I've got three goals. The, yep. the first immediate one is to get injury free. As I said, I'm nursing this injury at the moment. And now that sounds, well, that's not mm. very ambitious. Hold on. This glute hip tendinopathy has hijacked my life for the last Mm. two years Mm. it really has so i've not had a drink in the whole of 2021 because i said i'm going to have my first drink when i cure this injury so for me to have a gin or a glass of wine i have to get fixed very very quickly because i'm thinking summer's coming and i'd like a drink this summer so that that from a health perspective from a business perspective is to double my coaching business 2020 for me was a very very good year financially mm. in terms of my mm. coaching i know for some people it's been bad but i would like to capitalize on what happened last year and the third one very quickly is to write my second book i've been dragging my heels on that massively i'd mm. love to say i haven't had time the reality is i've had all the time but i've just the desire and the goal has not been there so I've said it as my goal. You've heard it here. It's not the first Boom. time I've said this. Boom, but there you go. There's my goal. This is the one that matters. The one all that right. Matters. So, ladies and gentlemen, all of those great things that he's talking about, particularly his current book and the stuff that he's doing is in the show notes. So feel free to go there and connect with Gav. So, all right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listener, to reduce risk in your life. So go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and download the risk reduction checklist and see how you measure up. And maybe, Gav, we need to put together a risk reduction checklist for your body. Definitely. That would be an interesting one. So as we conclude, Gav, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of A. Stotts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment do you have any parting words for the audience well if the guys want to connect with me and thanks for letting me on the show i've loved it i've really enjoyed the style of it i love it the short sharp it's given me some great ideas for my own podcast so thank you for mm. that andrew yeah. if listeners want to connect with me the best place is to come to the website gavgillybrand.com or 
I'm always lurking on LinkedIn, probably my biggest platform. Or if they want to go straight to the horse's mouth, so to speak, they could catch my book, The GHG Method. Fantastic. Uh, GHGmethod.com. So that would be awesome. So thanks for that, Andrew. Great. Well, we'll have all that in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen. And that is a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.